welcome to the soccer podcast where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week we got Anthony. What's going on, everybody? And Duane. Hey, everybody. No Dan Simmons today. No, no Dan. Dan's got went back to went back to work, I guess. Back to his day job. Back he's to his day committed. job. He's not committed. We couldn't. We couldn't get. We, his people and our people just couldn't figure it out. Uh, it's kind of like the whole messy situation where they're trying to figure out. That's right. Yeah, Dan is the messy of Delaware <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, I really hope he listens to this part. That part just so I can get a text message later on. Um, so uh, we finished summer camps. Summer camps are done. Dwayne. Dwayne gets the gold star of the week for finishing the summer camps. How are camps this week, Dwayne? Oh, Monday was a tough day uh, with just the amount of players and just me being out there. But, no, it was a really good overall week. Um, The kids were excited, again, to be out there and just to be around other kids and just to be able to, you know, play a sport and be active again. You could just tell parents, kids, everybody was just generally happy and just excited for the kids to be able to – kind of live their lives and try to get some sense of normalcy. Yeah, I was out there on uh I was out there on Tuesday for a little bit doing some field work and uh it was fun to see the the little ones really just <laughs> having a ton of fun. That's my favorite part. I think uh, it's watching the little kids just run around and just kind of do their own thing and just uh it's it's a really it's a really good time. So that was the end of summer camps. So now the rec season starts in a couple of weeks, so make sure you go to our website, DelawareUnion.com, to register for a recreational program. Uh, also, this weekend, you want to make sure you go down to Dick's Sporting Goods down in Dover because we are gonna got, we have 20% off at Dick's Sports. For anybody that brings that coupon, that will get emailed out. It'll get posted on our Facebook uh, later today. So you got today, tomorrow, and Sunday. Go to Dick Sporting Goods down at uh, Endover. Twenty percent off on us. That's on Dwayne right there. Dwayne, Dwayne's getting you twenty percent off, right, Dwayne? Absolutely. That's right. Actually, the coupon that I got right now is also you can use twenty percent off your online purchase of team sports and equipments and cleats only. There you go. So you don't even have to go to the store. You can do it no. from your couch. I'm gonna buy some cleats today. With us today, we have a very special guest. Uh, he might be one of my favorite referees in the entire world. Uh, and he's somebody that I just truly have. An, I enjoy every moment I spend with him. Mark McKenzie is here with us. Now, some of you, considering we talk about Mark McKenzie a lot on the podcast, may be thinking, wait, Mark McKenzie's a referee? We're talking to Mark McKenzie Sr. Is that, is that correct? Can we say that, Mark? Yeah, we could say that. Yes. All right. So we're talking to the Mark McKenzie's dad, Mark McKenzie. <laughs> Mark, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure being on here. I, I really enjoy it. Thank you for inviting me. I will tell you that when we, and Duane was, uh, Duane was a part of this when we first started it. Uh, when we were thinking about possible guests, you were on the list from the first day. We just wanted to make sure that we knew what we were doing before we brought you on. <laughs> But you were absolutely on our list from the first day. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into to what we're going to have you or have you give advice or give your insights wow. as a parent of a professional soccer player. But tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do, Mark? Well, so um, I'm an educator. Uh, this is my 10th year um, teaching, seven years in colonial uh, specializing mainly in chemistry. I do some physics uh, at UD and I taught at Dell Tech as well, um, Chem 110. Uh, just transitioned as a student advisor, trying to um, move my way into the administrative role, uh, an area where we don't see a lot of diversity with respect to um, teachers of color. And so uh, my goal is to get in and to uh, affect and, you know, have some meaningful changes and continue to add to the dynamic uh, leadership uh, in my district. Uh, so it's a great honor and opportunity to be able to still influence our students and still work with teachers with the main outcome in making sure our kids are successful. 
Uh, didn't start off in, in education. I did 20 years in healthcare, thought I was going to med school. I did get accepted, didn't go, and uh, moved out of New York to Delaware. And I tell you, it's one of the best moves I've ever made. It's, uh, I've made such a, a huge connection with families here in Delaware. Uh, I can't begin to tell you the amount of people who have been so helpful uh, with me and, and my family and where we are. So I, I owe a lot of that gratitude to the Delaware family. Um, I'm, I'm really appreciative. That's awesome. So you, um, you, as an educator and also as a referee, and we'll talk about you being a referee in a little bit, but as an educator, have you seen a generational change over the years with the, with the younger generations of, of students from <laughs> even from when, when Mark was younger, have you seen a generational change? Uh, you know, a little bit. And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that question. Um, you know, today you've got to push the kids a little bit more than I think years before. And, you know, I started thinking about this. I, my thought is there's just so many options out there. And so, you know, they're onshore. Um, it's just so much that's being thrown at them. They need a lot more guidance and uh, they're trying to be more selective with a decision. So, uh, but yeah, I do find you have to kind of push them a little bit more, um, not as risky as say we were back then, uh, but I just think it's a lot that's available. It's a lot of decision-making right now. And I think with this generation, they're making decisions earlier than when we did. So we've got to look at that as well. So it's not uncommon for us to see the angst and like, oh man, am I making the right decision? So you can see it in their faces and it's, it's just funny. Every graduation, you know, the kids are like, hey man, I'm just waiting to graduate. I can't wait to get out of here. And when I see them at Bob Carpenter Center, it's almost like this look like, holy smokes, this is it. This is like, what do I do? Right. You see a, a fear, a nervousness, like, wow, reality has just checked in. And you see it every year. And it's just, um, it's, they're making decisions much earlier than when we did, when we grew up. That's it. I, I yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we, we experience it all the time with the younger players. And I feel like the younger they are in comparison to the previous, like, two years. I, so I coach teams for some odd reason. I've been coaching odd, odd team or even, even, year, even birth year teams. So uh, every two years I get a new cycle of players, and I feel like they're further along than the two years before were. And their, their, their conversations, I feel like their conversations are different than what yeah. they were before. I feel like it's, it's a maturity thing. Um, so how, how do you think that impacts – what you went through with with your son with mark do you think you know he he was uh he was playing in delaware and then he went to the philadelphia union academy before going to college and then coming back and playing do you think where do you think that pressure lies in or where did where did that pressure lie in him and how how impactful was that for your family in general wow i you know it's funny you say that it's um it you know, we're so used to the traditional, hey, high school, college, that's where we're going. And I think for me, that change took place when uh, Mark was faced, when he left. So when he transitioned from Scruggs to um, Rush and Tony Williams was doing the EDP and Jim Curtin was the coach for the under 13, under 12. And that decision came in, Mark was like 10, 11, you know, hey, we want you here now. And you're like, whoa, w wait a minute. I mean, is this normally taking place at like, you know, 16, 17? And, you know, Jim is like, no, it's now. You know, we're making these decisions. And I remember, you know, Mark playing basketball with Anthony's brother. You know, it's, you know, they're, they're playing and, you know, you try to expose them to everything because as a parent, you're like, well, you know, should I get them exposed or should I just have them focus on one sport? But it came to that point where he was playing basketball very well at Charter and AAU called me and he was doing well in soccer. And so Jim and the team at uh, YSC said, listen, we've got to make a decision. It's either basketball or soccer. And it was tough for him at 10. He wants to play with his friends at high school. Um, you know, he was pretty good at it. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you know, a lot was placed on him in the sense where coaches would say, 
you've got to make a decision now. And I'm looking like, wow, he's 10. This is tough. You know, and, and I'm like, Mark, listen, I, I can't tell you what to do. But I said, you got to go with what your heart is. Where do you feel comfortable with? What do you see yourself doing? And I'm saying, I'm telling my kid it's at 10. <laughs> what do you see yourself doing now? You've got to start thinking about this at age 10. What do you want to do? And, you know, my wife and I backed off and we were like, you know, and he said, dad, you know what? I want to do soccer. And for him, you know, the union said, hey, we're going to take care of everything. Your health, we're going to do this. We're going to take care of all of that. If you engage in another sport, you get hurt. It's going to jeopardize. We see a huge future in you right now in representing the U.S. And so a kid at 10, they're like, whoa, you know, is this really real? So it was tough, but I, I allowed him to make that decision because I never want to be that parent that, you know, you say shoulda, woulda, coulda. Right. Well, it sounds like Mark made the right decision now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you look back, you're like, whew, yeah. <laughs> so so what's it like to be the, the parent of a professional soccer player? You know what? I tell you something. It's, it's, it's humbling, and it's certainly an honor. And um, I, I won't lie. I'm, you know, I, I'm proud in the sense we're Delawarean. <laughs> yep. You know, I'm really excited about that. You know, um, just letting folks know, hey, we've got some skills here. <laughs> uh, but it's really humbling. Um, I don't talk about it a lot, to be honest with you. I, I tell people that's his world, but people will ask. But I want to say that's his journey. You know, I was just lucky to be a part of making it happen and other folks who got involved in, with that support. Um, but I try to deflect as much as possible. But I just tell them, I say to him, Remain grounded, number one. Never forget who supported you, too. And every kid, and I say to him, if any kid comes up to you to talk to you for an autograph, you stop. They're looking up to you. They see their future in you. And just that small token, going back. And I, I remember there was a game he was playing. I think they beat the Red Bulls and, you know, he was signing autographs and he was all the way back over the sons of Ben and my wife called and there's two kids who started crying. And my wife shouted and she said, Mark, I'm begging you. And you see these two kids, their faces lit up when he ran all the way back to the other end of the field, just to sign. And I said, this is what it's all about, right? These kids are looking up to you. And, and that's something we, and we've spoken about this on the podcast about, to a certain extent, that that being the Philadelphia Union culture as well, uh, we've 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 gotten to myself and and Dan have gotten to wa walk around um, YSC before and interact with the younger with the student athletes, and everybody stops and and introduces themselves, and it's just part of the culture that I think has been developed there. That I think you're right. I think because you don't know the impact you have on that younger player. Uh, I remember I remember I you know growing up in Argentina. When I, when I moved to the U.S., being able to see Boca Juniors anytime they came to the Miami area and me driving down, watching the practices and trying to get some autographs and things like that when I was like 14, 15 years old. And for me, those are things I still have hanging up on my wall. My, wow. my dog is named Carlos Tevez. So <laughs> for me, like there are, there's a meaningful impact, and that's what keeps my motivation at times when it, when it comes to soccer it's based on that love for the game that was developed for those players that I looked up to. So, and I think that's, that's so it's, it's important. And I love the fact that as a parent, that's where you're able to provide to Mark. Cause I think that's really important for our parents to hear, you know, what, what, what advice would you give somebody that's going through this and, and at 10 years old, they're trying to either figure out whether they play travel soccer, recreational soccer, if they, you know, if, if, practices three nights a week is a lot you know or the 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 toughest time of the year when it comes march through may those tryout times that are just so hectic for everybody what advice would you give to parents um when it comes to the development and the process of it so i want to add real quick something you said sebastian yeah. you know i had a coach who told mark he said people are going to recognize you not so much what you do on the field but what you do off the field and that was so critical. So in terms of, you know, I'll say 
you've got to be excited about the journey. Um, if, if you don't give that support and you're not 110% in, as much as we think, you know, our, the coaches have an impact on, on, our, on, on our players, but as parents, we have a huge impact. And if we're not there encouraging, motivating, reinforcing what the coach is saying at home, habits, thought processes, um, then it defeats a purpose. You know, I, I would say to Mark, hey, I got to pick you up. And then I'm waiting for little Anthony. And then we meet up. We like took turns three, three, three times a week. And then we drive all the way down to YSC. And, you know, we kept pressing. Got to get there on time. Got to, you know, not on time, early. We got to get right. early. We got to get early, early, early. And so, you know, it's really important. And, you know, he's like, Dad, wow. Uh, no, I, I listen, man. I want you to build good habits right now. And so um, talking with him in the car, and of course, you know, pulling teenagers to talk, man, they want to sleep. And, you know, I'm trying to pull questions out of them. <laughs> but, you know, getting them to share their stories, because what I, what I also find is that um, our kids don't talk. Our parents don't engage in those conversations with them anymore, man. And I'm like, how was the training? You know, what did you think? What do you got to build? You know, so how would you apply this? And you know, just getting feedback, you know, if I was a new kid coming in, what would you tell me about the program? And so, you know, how do you, you know, was it rough, man? Yeah, it was, you know, talk to me. And so I would really create that platform where, you know, I, you know, welcomed him to talk, feedback, gave him my thoughts and, but you got to listen to what the coach is telling you. And, you know, you got to look long-term, this will pay off. Man, I'm tired, dad. You know, listen, I get up at six in the morning, we get home at nine in the night. And I'm in the car like, dude, me too. Yeah, you're doing the same thing. <laughs> Man, I'm tired. At 9 o'clock, I have to grade all these papers when I get in and get ready for lessons the next day. So um, being a part of that journey and, and, and always being positive, being open, reinforcing, um, and letting them know, hey, I love seeing you play. Uh, your excitement is my excitement. And your passion, listen, I just want to support that. Because in the end, you know, I, won't, I don't want you to look back and saying you didn't have a good time. So, you know, as a parent, really motivated. And, and I'll tell you this, some days it was frustrating and it was tiring, but I never let him see that because perseverance is important. And so I've got to look at that, you know, hey, you know what? Minor inconvenience, I've got to take care of my kids. It's a one shot deal right here. And we give them that chance. I look at gymnasts. They start at nine, 10, and look at them now. They're, they're professional athletes, they're, they're Olympians. And so as a parent, it's gonna to be tough. And I'll tell you that right now, it's gonna to be tough. You, you, you will have to readjust your schedules. Uh, but in the long run, I'll tell you this, I sit back right now, it seems like yesterday, but I'm like, it went by fast. So enjoy the journey. What did it what did it feel like the first time you saw him not only wear the Philadelphia Union jersey for the first time, but what did it feel like when he was wearing the US jersey for the first time? I'll tell you, Sebastian, man, I I, I got goosebumps. I did. My wife started crying. And you know, I'm holding back, you know, and, and, and for the record, people say men don't cry. No, that's hogwash. That's rubbish. Listen, I cried. It was an, a humbling experience. And, and you know what? Um, and I'll say this, my, my dad never, he was not in my life. I didn't meet my dad till I was 17. I hold nothing against him. And I wanted to be a different dad. And just seeing that, I, I was like, wow, this is humbling. Um, and it was truly an honor seeing him make that move. So yeah, I broke down, I was crying, I smiled and I said, wow. Yeah, I was just excited just to see that. And immediately in my mind, I'll tell you now, you know, every time I'm on that pitch refereeing and I, you know, a kid starts acting up, I'm like, yo, listen, man, my son plays and I can see you making that move, but you got to change that attitude. Let your ball skills do the talking, brother. And so those are little things that I slip in when I'm refereeing and I'm talking with the kids. Hey, man, listen, you're getting agitated right now. Calm down, man. Let your skills handle let your skill be seen on the pitch. That will take you to the next level. So it was really exciting for me. That's the, uh, that's the unwritten law of the referee, right? Using common yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> Just, so 
Oh man, that was that was really good. Uh, uh, <laughs> I got I stopped because it, it it brought back the memories of watching um, watching the U.S. twenty World Cup and and watching Mark and and feeling a sense of pride for Delaware. I mean, I think that's that's extremely important for us. We're we're very, and I've lived here for five years and I've I've really embraced this state. Uh, coming from Florida, where there was a lot more people in my city than probably the entire state of Delaware. Um, this is a really cool experience for me because every time I talk about Delaware, like everybody's, you know, my friends from Florida, they're like, Oh, what's it like to live in Delaware? I was like, it's like a, it's like living in a very big, small town. Everybody knows everybody. Yes. Uh, there's, there's not a whole lot of uh, mystery going on. Things get around very quickly. Uh, (laughs) but at the same time, anytime that something happens with somebody from Delaware outside of Delaware, you feel a sense of pride. And that's, and that's, and that's fantastic. And I, and I love that about it. So what, what was, uh, Oh, go ahead, Anthony. I I just wanted to say that like, it's so funny because, uh, since Mark like started to crack, like the top squad, like two years ago, two and a half years ago, it's like Alex and I would, uh, my little brother, he would, we would like check Twitter to like, see if Mark was in the lineup. And if he was, we were stopping whatever we were doing. We were watching the Union game. If he wasn't, we were like, "Bah, we'll check back for the score later." <laughs> it's so funny speaking on like the just the Delaware thing. It's like you're rooting for it so hard, and and we had the uh, we were lucky to know Mark, but it, and now he's in there every day. We don't even have to worry about it. We're just like, "Oh, Union game. Let's turn on, chatting back and forth." So it's just cool. Uh, it's definitely cool when you have somebody from from this area uh, going ahead and doing it and following their dreams and pursuing it. So it's pretty awesome. You know, Anthony just mentioned that, you know what I love also to add to that? I mean, when I saw Mark and Alex playing, man, it was an energy. And to this day, 2020, these boys keep in contact. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, every kid that he's played with since seven, eight, nine, ten they're still communicating and they're like, listen, man, you know, you're representing a lot of folks, you know, they were a part of who he is today. And and Alex was saying that they still call him 10. (laughs) They still don't even call him Mark. They still call him 10, which is hysterical. Oh my gosh, man. (laughs) All of those young guys, man, made him where he is. I mean, he would not be there. And And I love all those kids, man. I love him. So what was uh, what was Dad McKenzie like? What what was what was what was Mark as a dad on the sideline? Because that's because I've I've I know you as a referee, yeah, and I know what you're like as a referee. Uh, but what was uh, what was Dad McKenzie like? Man, listen, I was a bucket of energy. <laughs> I was raw energy, running up and down, yelling, and you know just. You know, and the thing is, you know what? I- I'll be honest with you. I was not the dad that was cheering just Mark. I was the dad which was just calling every kid's name on that, that pitch. Yo, you could do it, man. Alex, you got it. Bob and weave, brother. Bob and weave. You know, so it was, <laughs> it was just, I love those kids, man. They had a special bond and I would cheer every kid on and that was exciting. But I was, I was energy from the, tr- from the warm up. Till they walked off the pitch. <laughs> and, and and I think was something that was good about uh, Mark was um, he wasn't the parent that is constantly like trying to yell and tell kids what to do. You know, he was strictly there screaming, encouraging. And that's like what it was like, like he was hyping them up. You know, it was, it was perfect for a parent. If there's, if there's two types of parents that are going to be loud, Mark was the good type of loud. He was the bad type of loud as a coach that you're screaming, will you shut up over there? He's the, he's the one that you're like, all right, let's keep going. Let's get them fired up. They're feeding off this energy. It was, uh, we, we talk about those times all the time. It was so, so funny. Yeah, it, yeah I miss those days. It was exciting. Is it, what about- say, is it safe to say that Big Mark is the reason why the Philadelphia Union has been successful? Oh, you know, it, it, let me tell you, it, it, if, if you, if you have a, com- it's funny, we have a conversation with a lot of the union um, parents, same thing. Just, you know, it's really important that you, you shout their names, man, and, and motivate them. And you got to realize too, 
you know, I grew up in soccer from Jamaica. It's loud. It's, it's just energy. So, you know, listen, and I'll say this. I love Wake Forest, man, but I used to go to some games and I sit down there. I'm like, I'm telling like, why is the place so quiet? You know, you only had the congregation making the noise in the back end and in the stands. I'm like, no, give me a drum. Give me something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let me get out there and shout every player's name just to motivate them. So that's, you know, my, one of my favorite, one of my favorite experiences, uh, watching a lot of soccer one of my favorite like live game experiences i got to watch the gold cup game between jamaica and haiti oh. years ago in baltimore <laughs> that was that was one of the most enjoyable experiences of my life it, it brought me back like to to watching a game in argentina in a stadium even though we were we were in a it was in a giant stadium with not a lot of people in it right. but it was it's it's the atmosphere atmosphere you want and i think I think to a certain extent, the MLS is moving into that a little bit. Slowly but surely, they're moving into that. I got to watch – I went down to, uh, to watch a D.C. United game last year, and, uh, and, it, and it had that atmosphere to it. And the Philadelphia Union Stadium does have that atmosphere into it. So it's, it's definitely getting there. I think we're, we're, we're heading in the right direction when it comes to the atmosphere of the stadium. Yeah, it, it's definitely evolving. Um, it's just evolving a lot nationally. I'm just excited that now – and people don't realize it. You know, the most played sport in this country up to age 13 is soccer. And then people then deviate, but it's the most played sport. You get a ball, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you get two cones and you're ready to roll. Yeah. So, and I've always, and I've not, and, I, and I've wondered because, and my dad, my dad's a referee too, and you got to ref with my dad before, and he does it. You know, for us, it was started. It was it started out as something we could do together, and then when I when I stopped being a referee and then moved from from Florida, he continued to do it just because he enjoyed it. So why why do you become why are, why are you a referee? For the love of the sport, that's number one, and two. Referees play a huge role in the game you know we get a chance you know the coaches coach the strategies but we get to guide them with what they can or cannot do we get to also just chit chat a little bit and say hey listen man you know that that's your third time or listen i saw what you're doing hey next time when you'll be careful just come around that tackle you gotta be careful studs up so you know we, you coach, the coaches guide them on the technicality in terms of the strategy, and we help them to say, hey, man, I don't want you to get a foul. I want a clean game so we can have, a, have fun. So for me, it's, it's almost um, uh, moving the classroom to the pitch. And it's funny, when I ref high school, you know, I hear, you know, the referees, the line, listen, this is an extension of the classroom. And for me, it's real. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's completely real. And so that's why I ref it. it, it all, hey, listen, I'll tell you, it helps to keep you in shape. <laughs> but, um, but it really gives me a chance to give back to the sport because we really help the sport to build and take it to that trajectory. So combination of what we're doing um, with soccer, combination of the coaches in terms of that uh, technical skills that we're working on and the referees as well. Because a referee can really make a game really either move in the right trajectory or take a wrong turn. Yep. And it's our responsibility. So I, and I, listen, I've seen some, re I just want to make a change. I'll just say that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. And this is the reason why anytime uh, we have any sort of scrimmages or friendlies and we need a referee, you're my first, you're my first call because it, it because I know, that the experience is going to be good. And I think you, you, you made that. That's a fantastic point that you made. It, it, it makes sure that the experience is good, safe, which is important. Um, you know, we, we had a, we had a somewhat of a, uh, college showcase friendlies last year. And, and I was like, all right, we need referees, but I need somebody that can handle the games and it's going to make the experience good because ultimately it's a showcase type of event so we want to make sure that the game flows the players can really showcase their skills but at the same time no nonsense is going to happen and nobody looks ridiculous or silly and and that was one of the reasons why i reached out to you because 
I was like, this is an important thing for us. And I need somebody that's going to be able to provide a really good experience and make sure that the game flows really well. So that was, that's why I enjoy it. Anytime you're my referee, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm uh, I listen, I listen, I, I appreciate it. It's, um, and you know, I'm, you know, I'll say this, you know, referees are not a hundred percent perfect. And I'll say, Hey, listen, if I miss something, I, you know, I go over to a player and like, listen, I, I, I didn't see, you know, I missed that. I'll look for it next time. Got you. And it's funny. The players are like, all right, I respect this guy because you're watching the game. You know, you got to be in the right position to make the right call. I can't be halfway in the, you know, half in the middle of the pitch and the play is taking place at the 18 yard. I need to be at that play so I can, Hey, no, I saw that or no, I didn't. Or, and so you, you, you allow the game to flow well. So it's an honor. Um, I'm learning. It's, my philosophy is life is a journey um, and you're constantly growing to make um, others better and you leave an extension of yourself everywhere you go. That's awesome. That's great. We're going to put that, we're going to put that on a, on a billboard somewhere. We're going to put that at, Del- at Middletown village. That's going to be, that's going to be, that's going to be our new club motto. You found the title of the, uh... the podcast. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, when Mark, at some point, a long time from now, <laughs> does retire from soccer, do you do you hope he becomes a coach? Do you be, hope he becomes a referee? And is or is that something that you got you would want to find a way to share soccer with him at some point? Oh in the wow! Um, so it's funny, you know. <laughs> I share him share with him my vision, but I said to him, "Hmm, he could probably have a." second division team in Delaware, you know, um, USL Delaware team, you know, we have a lot of land here, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we could, we could have our own stadium, you know, so, you know, I I tend to plant things in his mind, but I I could see him definitely coaching um, and moving up, even becoming a sporting director uh, and being, being more involved in uh, U.S. soccer uh and in trying to get more players recognized involved open up the opportunity um get more funding um have more fields i mean right now in mark's mind he would love to have uh a pitch right here at glasgow park where kids could play you know just to kick the ball around so his mind is i want more soccer fields where kids can get out and enjoy the game itself great so, I mean, ultimately, I mean, you know, Delaware Union's always uh, looking for new coaches. Yeah. <laughs> if you just wants to come in and coach, if you want to come and coach, we can, you know, we'll, we'll we can we can make sure we make that work. Man, I'll tell you this though, my wife will say, <laughs> Mark comes in, he's like, oh, these refs, man, <laughs> you know, and so we have arguments <laughs> during every game. You know what's you know what's funny, I, and uh, Alex is the one who like kind of pointed this out to me when we were watching the uh, MLS's back tournament, um, and we were like, Mark, there was like I, I forget who they were playing, but there was like two consecutive terrible calls on Mark, and Mark didn't say a single word, and Alex was like, that's got to be because his dad's a ref and he's not allowed to say anything. <laughs> We, we were thinking, like, what, what, like, what's going on here? And like, everyone is on top of the refs in, 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 you know, in professional soccer. Like, it just even if they know that they did something wrong, they're screaming and yelling at the referee. You know, Mark was so cool and, and collected. We were like, that's got to be because he's not trying to insult his dad. It's got to be that. <laughs> I'll tell you when I when he gets through the door, though, he's like, "Should I call that?" Right, got a bum call, and I'm like. Hmm. <laughs> So I hear it on the back end, but it's real good bantering. Um, you know, uh, he'll like, wow, I didn't know about that call, Dad. So it's really good um, that he hears both sides. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's I definitely see him being a part of the elevation of soccer in Delaware and for the U.S. Absolutely. I think that's what that's what's uh and I think all sports do this in in a way, but I think that's what soccer does from a world perspective. It it, it does bring people together. I mean, it's it, I've I've talked about it. We had uh, 
Mike Barroquero, who's the, the UD women's head coach, talked about it in one of the episodes that he was on about that was his, his connection with his dad. The way he connected with his dad was through soccer. That's one of the main reasons why my relationship with my dad is the way that it is. It's because of soccer. He's now my assistant coach. I pick him up every Tuesday and Thursday at 430 <laughs> in the afternoon. I text him. I tell him I'm outside and he comes to practice with me and he just kind of walks around and just helps me set up. Um, so it, it's, it's a connection that the sport gives. And I think that's uh, the fact that, that I think your family has embraced the sport the way it has, and it's become, you know, a complete, it, it's part of your life. It, it's a, it's a complete part of your life. You know, obviously you have your, your teaching career and your education career, and that's, that's amazing what you're doing on that end. Um, but at the same time, it's also really cool to see that soccer is a part of that and is now become it's not just like oh it's an extra thing that we do it's a hobby or it's it's just part of your life and that's i love that because it's part of my life yeah. uh that was a deal i signed with my wife when when i was like listen like this is me but soccer comes along with this yeah um, <laughs> it's just it's, it's a part of it I, I wanted to get married in a boca juniors jersey it didn't happen but i was <laughs> but i did get to watch but i got to the point where i watched the uh the the argentina uh, quarterfinal game the day of my wedding before I got married. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. Somehow I got away with it. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's – so we appreciate you coming on because, um, like I said before, uh, you bring a passion to to the entire sport. That's awesome to see. You, you bring great energy that anytime people are around you just – it puts a smile on my face every time I'm around you. So it's 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 awesome to – have you on and to give us your perspective and hopefully the parents and the players that are listening to this can get some advice or a different perspective on things from somebody that's lived legitimately the entire process up to now uh, and hopefully more to come for Mark as well. I appreciate it. Listen, thank you for having me on again, a big shout out to all um, the support um, and helping Mark in his journey all the, 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 the uh, fans, all the coaches, Ocasen, um Scrubs, uh, you know, YSC, um, all that support, all the fans. Um, I just want to say thank you to every single one of you uh, and all the players who played with Mark. Uh, you guys are rock stars and um, you shine in your own way. And let's continue to make uh, soccer an awesome sport in our state and um, make sure you just keep dribbling outside, not, you know, what, doing your practice, get home, dribble, practice, practice, practice. But, um, you know, I, I'll just say one more thing. Um, you know, you are student athletes. So don't forget that piece, you know, to create that balance because a lot of people don't realize Mark's still finishing his degree. That's, that's uh, on a, you know, it's, it's a non-negotiable in our house. And, right. and it really helps to make a well-rounded athlete. So, you know, keeping that balance is definitely going to get you um, and take you to different places. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you. Oh, that was awesome to have Mark McKenzie on with us. That was really good. Uh, I really enjoy listening to him and just being around him in general is, is always a good time. What a class act, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this week I did something a little bit interesting and fun. So I took a coaching course this week uh, and I didn't tell anybody about it because I wanted to tell you guys on the podcast for the first time. So I tell took Instagram about it. You did tell Instagram about it. I did tell Instagram, but I have like three followers and two of them are you guys and the other <laughs> one's my wife. So you know, it's funny at the start of this podcast, you couldn't even, you didn't even know what Instagram was or how to tweet. And now all of a sudden you're, you're all locked and loaded two months later. Ready Wait, to- hold on. Are you confusing me with Dan? No, I'm confusing. I'm, I'm literally saying you, that's why Jenny always had to put the stuff out. Cause you said, I don't know. What do you do on Twitter? You tweet. Yeah. It's a character I play. Okay. I'm actually a social media genius. You just don't know about it. <laughs> I guess you don't, you're not buying into it. No, <laughs> fair Absolutely enough. Not. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, no, but this week I got to do a, um, I got to do a coaching course uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, I got to do a diploma from the United soccer coaches. Uh, it was on performance analysis. So it was really cool. It was um, the entire course was all about using 
performance analysis or video analysis for players and how you break down a video and what you're looking for. Um, and it's, a, I think it's a field that's growing a lot in the sport, obviously in the, the professional ranks, everybody's got video analysts, you know, Pep has them. Klopp's always had, you know, talks about video analysis and, and that part of it. So, uh, but from my perspective, it was really cool to see how I could start it at the youth level um, because I've, I've had video done before in previous teams that I've coached and never really figured out what I wanted to do with it outside of just making some highlight clips or things like that. But uh, the ability for us to be able to, for example, take a video of the 03 girls that we, that Dwayne and I coach and break down all right where did we lose possession you know did we lose possession in the middle of the field um when we whenever we try to play out of the back where do we lose possession is there a trend over another one of the exercises we did we took uh you know we watched 40 of the goals from liverpool from last from this past year and we we had to figure out the trends of the goals so what what are the goals you know if you had to guess if I had to guess, I wouldn't have thought that the results were, were, were what they were going to be. In 40 goals, they only scored five goals off a header. So you really only get that from the analysis. Interesting fact I heard. This is a soccer dad fact. I think Liverpool has a throw-in coach. They do. I believe they, they scored 13 goals this year off of throw-ins. Yeah. So that's also an interesting goal with your analysis. That's something you never – really think of yeah um i don't know if i'm fully bought into the idea of the throwing coach but the the analysis of uh of where the crosses come from so if we break down the field into 18 different zones there's a chart out there that's gives you 18 different zones zone 14 always being the the most dangerous zone for assist because it's right outside the 18 um you look at where the goals came from and where the assists come from um, and a lot of those goals were one-time finishes. And for example, we did my group that I was with, we try to look at the partnerships. So out of those 40 goals, where were the partnerships that were created? So we found out that Mane scored a lot of the goals that came from assists from Firmino. So Mane and Salah were the two goal scorers, the two biggest goal scorers for the team. But Firmino had a lot of assists to Mane, which it's interesting considering Firmino is supposed to be the nine of the team. Supposed to be the guy. Supposed to be the guy that scores a lot of the goals, but he he ended up providing a lot of assists, which just tells you, it just gives you, you know, the patterns of how Liverpool in general plays. So it was really interesting. I'm really looking forward to, to being able to take that and evaluate that with our teams. So um, we're going to be doing some a research project with UD, hopefully, and we might have Tori on next week in the podcast to talk about that. Um, but we're hopefully going to have access to some cameras to be able to record some games or practices to be able to watch it. So I took my camera out to practice last night and I recorded my 08 girls practice or part of a practice because I was doing a new passing pattern that I was trying out. Uh, so I'm looking forward to being able to watch that now and see if I could recognize any patterns that probably need to be fixed that are maybe are harder for me to see in the middle of a training session. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, the other thing that happened over the week since we last spoke was the Champions League in the Europa League finals came and went. Um, so Sevilla winning number six. They are the Europa League kings at this point. Um, and Bayern beat PSG. Which don't think there were any surprises there. Yeah, I don't know. I I keep hearing about how Bayern was like, oh my god, it was unbelievable, and this and that. I'm like, yeah, but the game was one nothing. It, it wasn't in in the run of play. Like, if you looked at the game ahead of time, and, and you asked, oh, who do you think is going to hold mo- most of the possession in the game? Bayern was going to be the team that held most of the possession. I don't think there was a question about that. I don't think anybody doubted that. Um, yeah, Bayern was the most consistent team throughout the entire tournament because they won all their games and they were they were better and more consistent than everybody else. Fair enough. But at the same time, to say that 
PSG is was never ever going to be able to win that game. I don't know because Di Maria had a chance, uh, Mbappe had a chance. So they had chances. They just couldn't finish it. But I think that speaks more about the the depth of PSG more than anything else. Um, I, don't, I think I don't Bayern know. just made them uncomfortable. Um, I think yeah. PSG like they're kind of forced to play kind of a counterattacking game at that point. So you're relying on Neymar, Mbappe, and Di Maria to kind of change the game on one or two runs and to finish the opportunities they get. They're not used to getting, you know, the majority of opportunities like they're used to. Yeah. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how things shake out in the transfer market um, with everything going on with Messi and unsure as to where he's going to play next year. Now that we found out that he's leaving Barcelona, accordingly to according to what people are saying, he's leaving Barcelona. Um, I'm still, I, I believe that he'll probably end up leaving, but until I'm not a hundred percent sure that'll happen until I actually hear it from him or something official happens that he's actually going to leave. I don't think we're in the right state of the world for him to leave because I don't think anybody can afford him right now. But that's a th- that's a weird thing. Like he's got so many different clauses on his contract that it's really not this whole idea that everybody said. Well, you know his 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 ability to leave for free is already expired, and if anybody wants to take him, his release clause is seven hundred million euros, which is not apparently not the case. He technically could leave for free. So I don't know. It, it's There's a lot of things that clearly I'm not qualified to understand because there are contract negotiations that I have no idea. I mean, the, there's a club in Argentina that would have gotten money if PSG had won the Champions League for a player that doesn't even play at PSG anymore. So because that was written into the contract when PSG brought this guy from Argentina. Like it was, so these, these things are very complicated. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to deal with them on a daily basis. Uh, Cause I think my head would explode. Yeah. Like Barcelona is off the hook for like 4 million euros because if Coutinho played for Barcelona and won the champions league, they owed Liverpool 4 million, but because he was technically a Bayern player when he won the champions league, Barcelona's off the hook. There you go. See, just really complicated things. It would be awesome to see uh, Messi at City and Ronaldo somehow find his way back to United. Like, just imagine that in the EPL. That would be awesome to close out their careers. I, I mean, I, th- I read somewhere that I think Ronaldo's staying at Juve. Yeah, maybe. I'm just saying eventually. Yeah. Four years left. Well, eventually, you know, if he goes to City, you know where Messi's next stop is. Yeah, at NYCFC, right. That's right. Yeah, he's supposed to. Oh, man, I'm taking some road trips then. I will give up my Philadelphia Union season tickets. <laughs> Actually, I might just give them up now and become a NYCFC season ticket holder for – Just ahead of time, just to try Ahead to- of time, so I have preference when the time comes. There you go. Try to pick up some extra swag ahead of time? Exactly. There you go. Perfect. All right, so – uh, so not a whole lot of soccer going on right now, really, except for uh, well, the MLS obviously is, is playing. But uh, on Sunday, the Women's Champions League final is happening. So uh, the semifinal was Wolfsburg against Barcelona. Wolfsburg beats Barcelona 1-0. And then Lyon beat PSG 1-0. So now Lyon and Wolfsburg are playing in the final. So German team against French team playing in the final of the women's championship. <laughs> Two different clubs, but it was still cool. It was really, it's really cool to still see that part of it. Um, so well, big shout out to Lyon for having uh, a finalist in the women's game and then a semifinalist in the men's game. I guess PSG had the reverse. Yeah. So uh, it just speaks to, to women's soccer in general across the world. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of growth happening in a lot of countries. Uh, so that's going to make it very, very competitive in the next three years as we prepare for the 2023 World Cup. So that's going to be very exciting. All right, so player of the match. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Messi because uh, I think he's... I think he just got fed up and got tired, and you know what? Credit to him. Like... 
You've been at Barcelona. Everybody complete. Everybody says that you should absolutely uh, finish your career at Barcelona, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Nah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna try somewhere else. So, if he does decide to leave, good for him. I, I as much as I enjoy Barcelona, um, and and that's what I enjoy. Like I I will I, I'm okay with it. I'll still watch Barcelona because you know Ricky Pooch is gonna be playing there. So. It's going to be uh, tough to watch them if he leaves. If, listen, if Coleman gets rid of Ricky Pooch. Ricky Pooch has to leave with Messi. He's got to go. Oh, Ricky Pooch at City. It's, oh, a, it's a package. Can you imagine him and Phil Foden and Kevin De Bruyne? Oh, man. What a great what a great way to dream. I'm just going to go play FIFA and just build that team. Go build that team. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Who do, you, who do you have, Anthony? Um, so I just went with the whole entire Chelsea organization. So they get a ban, right? And they can't make any transfers for, it was like 18 months, three transfer windows, something like that. And since the transfer has just started, you saw they just uh, signed Tiago Silva this morning. And since the transfer has started, it, it, Ben Chilwell, uh, Timo Werner, uh, Hakeem Zayich, like they're just, they're going on a rampage and saying like, you know what? You guys are going to give us this ban. You're going to take it easy on City and take back their ban. And, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to just wreak havoc and sign every single good player that's available on the market, young players too, that's available on the market right now. And we're going to stick it to the rest of the EPL. And I hate Chelsea, obviously, as a Manchester United fan, but I got to salute to you when you're going to go ahead and you're just going to make up in one transfer everything you've lost in the bin. So I just think that it's – it's ballsy. It's it's um, it's fun to watch, and the, the soccer's better when Chelsea, United, Arsenal, City, and Liverpool are all just powerhouses. So, and I and I think we're starting to like maybe get back there. So, I I like it when other people can compete. So I'm giving. I I want Leeds to be good. Uh, I want Sheffield to be really good. Uh, nice. And- what? What is it? Leicester? 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 Leicester City? Leicester, yeah. Well, Leicester just uh no, Sheffield lost their goalkeeper. He went back to United. Uh all right, Dwayne, who do you have? I have uh Kingsley Coman. So Kingsley, he's a Bayern player. He scored the winner for the Champions League. Um and by doing that, he has twenty trophies at the age of twenty four. So that's pretty amazing. He hasn't lost the league. So he's played for PSG, Juventus, and Bayern. He has not lost a league uh, title since 2012. Well, yeah, well, but, well, hold on a second. What you are we play? doing? At, what were any of you guys doing at the age of 24? Yeah, but hold on. Well, that was last year for me. Well, granted, yeah, I get Listen, I get it that he's, he's a good player and – but at the same time, you're playing for the three clubs in the three countries that only those three clubs ever win their league title. I mean, like... I, I smell some hate. No, there's no hate. I'm just saying, like, you go to the three countries where only three clubs ever win the league title. Like, I mean, that's great. Fantastic. But that's like saying, like, I'm counting the uh, that one game of cup thing that, like, whatever they call it like the 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 game that the winner of the champions league and the winner of the US oh, the super cup. cup the super cup yeah that's like saying well i got another title no you don't like you got a you got some like rinky dink trophy that you wanted a preseason game basically hey listen i'm all about trophies it's hard it's hard to win it's hard to be on top 8 years in a row is it though absolutely is it though? I mean, let's look. Let's go back and look at the results for PSG, Bayern, and Juve throughout the, you know, League One, Serie A, and the Bundesliga. Let's let's look back through those results and see if it was that hard. Because I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Hey, I, I smell the hate. No, no Man, hate. If he, just... if he was fit, he would have. He would have a World Cup too, and he would have won everything by the age of 24. Yep. Good for him. But probably I mean, what, the trophies and well, the, the, the final was the first time he was actually in the starting lineup in the in this return of the Champions League. Though he was, he has been coming off the bench. Listen, he's got a great goal. I'm not. I, I don't. He's a I great just, player. 
I, you know, it just, yeah, I just, you know, 20 trophies by age of 24, it's great. But, you know, it, it is impressive. But do that playing for somebody else, not for the three clubs that constantly win the, the, the league titles. It's not his fault, man. Tell the other clubs to get his weight up. I, hey, I, Kingsley, if you're listening out here, Sebastian's telling you you need to go to the Premier League or La Liga and go win some trophies there. Yeah. Yeah. Challenging you to go to go to go to Valencia. Go to Valencia and see if you can if you got if you start racking up I mean, obviously if you go to if you go to Sevilla, you might you might end up with a Europa League. So there you go. That might be the way to go. Um which is interesting because Sevilla does so well in the Europa League, but then they now they're in the Champions League, but they always fall out of the Champions League in the group stage to go back to the Europa League. Europa League, it's a, oh, it's a, it's Never a in cycle. tactic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so on this day in history, speaking of Argentina, because, you know, why not? Uh, August 28th, 2004. Does this, does this date ring a bell for any of you? I was nine years old, probably going into the fourth grade. Said that. Does does the 2004 year mean anything to you from a sports thing in, in general in history? Do you remember what happened in 2004? Think back. So it wasn't a World Cup year. So what was it? Uh, uh, was no. it a Gold Cup? Was it the? Uh... So the Olymp the Olympics happened in two thousand. In Greece, yes, in Athens. Yep. So Messi, Aguero. Nope. No? Nope. 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 That was Beijing. That was two thousand eight. Uh, in two thousand and four, was almost like the the pinnacle of Argentinian sports. The Argentinian basketball team wins the gold medal at the Olympics. And the soccer team wins a gold medal. The men's soccer team wins a gold medal at the Olympics. Um, and you know who happened to score the goal on August 28th, 2004, against Paraguay in the Carlos final? Carlos Tevez. Carlos Tevez. That's right. That's right. I mean, I, there was no dream team that year for uh, basketball, so I, I wouldn't be that excited when it came to the basketball Olympic uh, goal, but I mean, 2004, who was playing on that team? LeBron. LeBron, Tim Oak. Duncan, Allen Iverson. Stephon Marbury. I don't know. I'm just saying. Argentina. It was, I, I will say that it was kind of like the end of like the Jordan era. And like the start of the LeBron era, so there was kind of like a gap where the '90s guys are retiring at the end, and you've got this new generation coming in. But we still shouldn't lose in the Olympics to anybody, even though Argentina and Spain are two of our biggest competitors in basketball. There were there were some good players, but I'm I'm just going to read you some of these players. Um, you had Emeka Okafor. Sean Marion with the worst shot in NBA history. Defense. Uh, Lamar Odom. Yeah. So it, it's this team. Uh, Lamar Odom pre-Kardashian. You had a really good – you had a young couple. You had Allen Iverson who was starting on his decline. You had LeBron James who was 20 years old. You had Dwayne Wade who was 22 years old. Um, I, I – and a, a good team, yeah, sure, but nothing like what they really could have put out there. Yeah, well, who would you have put on that team at that? It's better. It's better what, than than what the U.S. is putting out right now. Well, right now because they're not they're not focused on winning stuff. When they feel like winning stuff, then they're like, all right, we put these teams together, and then they rock it for a year sure. for for one Olympics, and then they're like, okay, we did it just to say we could do it again. We beat everybody by forty. We're, we're going to step aside now. Uh, I don't know. Was, you got to give props to Argentina, too. I'm just saying – I'm giving props. I'm just saying, you know. That's fine. That's fine. Whatever. All right, so we're going to go through a little bit of the list of uh, – so of the this roster list for Argentina, 28 players – or sorry, 18 players or 19 players. 
All right, some of the standouts. Willie Caballero, who is the backup he, goalkeeper at Chelsea. He's a starting keeper for Chelsea. Well, he's, now he's a starting keeper at Chelsea, so he's still playing. Uh, Javier Mascherano was on, already on the team at 20 years old. Fun fact, Mascherano debuted. debuted uh, he had an international cap before he played for the first team at River Plate. It's so, pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Saviola, who played at Barcelona and Real Madrid before. Heinze, who played at Manchester United and Real Madrid before. Uh, Carlos Tevez. Um, yeah. Lucho Gonzalez, who played at Porto for a long time. Maxi Rodriguez? Maxi Rodriguez was not on that squad. No. Maxi Rodriguez was not on that squad. He came later on. Yeah. He's a little bit younger. But yeah, so that was uh, that was the 2004. So that was on this day in history. Uh, so fun, fun little fact. All right, I think uh, I think we all have the same fair play award. Yeah. So uh, our fair play of the week award is going to go out to the athletes from the MLS, MLB, NBA, WNBA, NHL. I think that's everybody, right? NFL was sitting out practices, but there are athletes kind of stopping sports. Formula One. Formula One is uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton's made a couple of big statements as well. And Bubba Wallace from NASCAR, too. So all of our major sports kind of taking a step back, um, stopping practices and games to kind of meet as a group to raise awareness of uh, social injustice and making uh, – you know, the viewers aware and letting them know that it's kind of bigger than sports and that sports isn't the priority right now, that they still want to send their message that, you know, social injustice isn't right and that people need to go out and vote if they want to make changes. Yep. That's right. So very, very strong message. Um, so, yeah. So a fair player of the week goes out to all the, all the athletes around the country and around the world that are, are they're taking a stand and, and using their platform to speak up, which is awesome. So moving on. So Anthony, you weren't on the podcast last week, but we started a new, we started a new challenge. It's called the D union FF challenge. I did see that. So, uh, so unfortunately we didn't have anybody actually submit anything for it. So, but Dan can verify this. Okay. I did I didn't have the camera on me, but I was, working out with the 06s last Saturday and a cross came in and I thought about it. And I was just like, there's no camera on me to try the Lewandowski uh, side volley. But I had the opportunity, but there's just no camera. And so you didn't was, do it. Not, not so this, this entire buildup was for, to tell me that you didn't do it? Didn't do it. It was there. The opportunity was there. So Dan was a witness to you not doing it. <laughs> You saw me think about it. <laughs> it was there, and then I was just like, oh, so, you didn't, so this entire build-up, I thought you were said you were going to do it, and that Dan was the only I one. I was. I was. I didn't have any cameras. That's why you didn't do it. So if we could get some cameras installed yeah. on the field side of MV. All right, so moving on from your nonsense, uh, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do – I am going to give uh, – the the award is going to go to somebody though, uh, so the, the the Philadelphia Union scarf is going to go to a player that did, I believe on purpose. Uh, and Duane and I both know this player, so I believe she did it on purpose. So she did the challenge for that we had two weeks ago, the JJ Okocha step over challenge. Okay. Um. So Shalise from my 2008 girls team, we had a scrimmage on Tuesday, and the ball came in. And before she received it, she, like, rolled and stepped over it and, like, faked the player out and then took it and ran. So, uh, and... You're working on that on Tuesday. And then I stopped and I was like, oh, man. I talked to, I turned to Derrickson and my dad and I was like, whoa. Like, that was pretty cool. So, Shalise is going to get a Philadelphia Union scarf. Uh, I don't know if she knows this, but she's going to get a Philadelphia Union scarf on Tuesday at practice. So... We'll make sure we get it out to her. So here's going to be the challenge for this week. Okay. 
So the challenge for this week, speaking on, on this day in history, being that uh, Argentina beat Paraguay, there was a fair, the, so the goal that Tevez scores, so Tevez was known for, doing, for dancing whenever he scored a goal. So uh, we're going to post it on our Instagram page and our Facebook page. So it's going to be, you have to recreate Tevez's little dance. And he just kind of moves his hands up and down. Uh, so you recreate the little dance and uh, we'll get, we'll do another Philadelphia union scarf for next week. So D union FF hashtag D union FF on Instagram uh, at Delaware union soccer on Facebook, facebook.com slash Delaware union or on Twitter at D union soccer. So make sure you go out there and let me make sure I say this again. Cause I've listened to the podcast and it sounds like I'm saying one word D E union soccer on Twitter. Delaware Union Soccer on Facebook or sorry on Instagram and on Facebook is facebook.com slash Delaware Union. So hashtag is D E Union F F. So make sure you go out there. Uh make sure we go out there and, and see if we can recreate the little Carlos Tevez dance uh on our social media. So this one's this one's an easy one that all of us as coaches can recreate without hurting ourselves. I challenge Derrickson to do this. I, I will I will challenge him. I will actually just pull out my phone and just record him and say, Derrickson, this is what you have to do on Sunday when I see him. So uh we will challenge him. So all right. Well make sure you uh make sure you do our challenge. Uh, and thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. Yeah.